Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. This is part two of the five-part miniseries covering five decades in Cavs basketball. Zach Weiss with you covering the 1980s. I will be solo for this venture. Decided to deliver upon the history of the Cavs years 11 through 20. The first 10, as I left off with Justin Matcham last week, did see a trip to the conference finals, a win against the Bullets in the first round, and probably done. But after that, nothing. As we move on to the 1980s, a big decade in Cavs basketball that saw them take steps toward greatness, although it started slow. Here's some of the highlights of the 1980s. They made the playoffs four times, four first-round exits. The shot, Michael Jordan, game five from the free-throw line. Craig Eagle's layup a couple seconds earlier was totally forgotten as he created space and hit at the free throw line to close out the series. If not, the Cavs would have been going to round two. Who knows what would have happened. Ted Stepien became the owner, traded all the draft picks. They had six coaches in three years. Yikes. And George Carl made his head coaching debut with the Cavs. And former star point guard Lenny Wilkins returns to be the now head coach after a successful couple of years as a Cavs player. Those are some of the highlights. But we take a look at the 80s, which started off pretty bad. Ted Stepien becomes the owner, hires Bill Musselman, who had had a great track record to become the coach. This was after a season where Stan Albeck took the Cavs to a 37-45 and 45 record. Not bad at all. Musselman gets fired, you know, and they use two coaches. Then Don Delaney comes in. Uh, rest in peace, Don Delaney passed away in 2011. Also, Ted Stepien uh, passed away in 2007. Rest in peace. Although you were a terrible owner. Uh, that's just a fact. Don Delaney's only three years as a coach in, in the NBA ever. 26 games as the interim Cavs coach over two years. And he was the assistant coach after that. He has no other experience in the league. So I, I don't know Don Delaney's background. Yikes. They just kept Chuck Daly, one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. Got an opportunity to coach with the Cavs. He went 9-32. and 32. And after getting fired, Bill Musselman got a second chance, which I don't understand. Bob Kloppenberg got a chance for three games, the Cavs interim coach, Bob Kloppenberg. 93 years old, still alive. Ten years later, he got a chance to coach four games with Seattle. He only coached seven games in his NBA career. And their final coach of that year, Delaney, Kloppenberg, Daly, and Musselman, and fellow by the name of Tom Nasalki came in as coach. He passed away last August at age 87. Nasalki did find some success with Houston and Utah before his days with the Cavs and the ABA and then eventually the NBA. Interesting. George Carl, also coach. But let's, let's get to the Cavs' first playoff appearance of the decade, which happened in the 1984-85 season. So no longer is Ted Stepien in charge. He had traded away all the draft picks for years. Finally, you know, the NBA is like to Gordon Gund, pay, pay us money. You can have all your picks back. Great. So George Carl becomes the coach, 84-85. They went from winning 15, 28 games the first year of the decade to 15 to 23 to 28, now up to 36. 1984-1985, the Cavaliers finished 10 games under 500, but yet they still qualified for the playoffs. And so let's take a look at that. They played the Celtics. Game one was really close. The Cavs lost by just three. You know, they were in it. They were trying to show the Celtics, hey, 
you know, we are a good team. We're no joke. Yeah, we were 10 games under 500, but we're gritty. Game two, the Cavs lose by just two. So twice in Boston, which would be the theme of the 80s, the Cavaliers unable to win big games on the road. They lost twice in Boston. They come back, game three, back at home. World be free, leading the way with 32 points. He had a very good season that year for Cleveland. And then they're at home again, where they generally were very good in their four trips in the playoffs. They lost 117-111. Let's look at some of the Cavs' top performers in the series. There's one guy that just couldn't slow down and couldn't keep up with on Boston, which is why they lost the three games in close fashion. World be free averaged 26 points and eight assists. He had a fantastic showing in the series. John Bagley averaged 13 points and 10 assists. Roy Hinson, 17.7 rebounds, two blocks a game, a first-round pick of the Cavs. Where they went wrong was two words, Larry Bird. Larry Bird was just unstoppable. There was nothing they could do to stop Larry Bird. 35 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, a steal and a half a game. I mean, everybody you talk to from the 80s has quotes about Larry Bird and how good he was. I mean, he is just incredible. And if he was playing in the three-point era where the shot was as prevalent as it is today, just imagine how good he would be. You know, Larry Bird is constantly underrated and looked over in the – if you look through history, and it's just – he is unbelievable. Just going to pull up some numbers here before we get back to the Cavs angle on things. Larry Bird, by the way, here's – all right, get this. He played 13 years in the NBA. He was a 12-time All-Star. The only year he didn't make it was the year he played only six games. 12-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA, three-time MVP, three-time All-Defense, three-time champ, All-Star MVP, Rookie of the Year, two-time Finals MVP. I, I mean. He averaged 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, a block for his career. He shot 50% from the floor while doing this. I mean, 89% free throw shooter. He shot 93% on 5 attempts a game in 1990. He shot 90% from the line multiple other times. I mean, Larry Bird is just incredible and his playoff averages he never really missed the play he never missed the playoffs in his career at all he was there every year his playoff averages 24 points 10 rebounds seven assists two steals and a block I mean what didn't he do he was 6-9 he was divine and the Cavs probably wish they could say he was mine as in on my team on our team it doesn't matter that was the first year the Cavaliers made the playoffs and that was George Carl at the helm. Carl would get fired during the next season, in which the Cavs won just 29 games. Hired a man by the name of Gene Littles, who would coach 15 of his 155 career games. He was the coach of the Hornets from 89 to 91. 42-year-old Gene Littles had been a Cavs assistant for four years after being a Jazz assistant for three. They went 4-11 and on his watch. Come the next season, things began to get interesting because finally Gordon Gunn and the Cavs ownership realized we need to turn this ship around. Who comes in to coach in 1986? Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins is hired to be the coach. He had been their star point guard for a couple of years in the 70s, as Justin and I talked about last week. First year didn't go so well. You know, the team went just 31 
and 51. So, you know, things could have been better. Obviously not so great in 85. So then they get to the draft in 1986. And by they had taken Hot Rod Williams in 85. And they just crushed the draft of 1986. First pick, who do they take? North Carolina product, Brad Darty. Eighth pick, who do they take? Ron Harper. And a quote from Cedric Henderson, former Cavalier, played with them for a couple of seasons. Had him on the podcast last year, early, earlier this year. It's been a long year. Asked him to talk about the 80s. Said he enjoyed watching Ron Harper as a Cav. The world's be free and Big Brad made some exciting times for the Cavs. And he said getting to meet some of those guys and see some of the great games they played was an incredible experience for me. That's from Cedric Henderson, who I hope to bring back on the podcast. Appreciate the quote, man. Keep doing your thing. Cedric Henderson's son, a very good basketball player at Campbell University. Keep an eye out. That has nothing to do with the 80s. Cedric played with the Cavs in the 90s, but he grew up in that time with the Cavs. So I was getting to meet some of those guys for him. was awesome. But the Cavaliers drafted Doherty and Harper under the regime of Wayne Embry. Wayne Embry today is 83 years old. Wayne Embry is a Hall of Fame basketball player from his days with Cincinnati. Also played with Boston and Milwaukee in the NBA. Had some fantastic days. He was one heck of a general manager. First, he was with the Bucks and Rockets. He was with Bucks GM for seven years. He spent 14 years with Cleveland, where he was a two-time executive of the year. He, they just made some great moves. The draft was stellar. Cavs started to put it together. I mean, they didn't draft Mark Price, but they got him there in the 80s, and immediately he made an impact. Mark Price, if Kevin Johnson hadn't been holding out for more money or a trade or wasn't happy with the situation, he was, if, Mark, if Kevin Johnson was around, we might not know the name of Mark Price like we do today. And, you know, Mark Price was a fantastic player for the Cavs. He paired with Doherty to form quite the duo for the team. What more could you have asked for as far as just regular season success for a franchise that had lacked it? Mark gets there in 86-87 as the backup. Becomes a starter in 1987-88, averages 16 points and six assists per contest immediately Made an impact, by the way, his days with the Cavs. Four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA. Very good in the steals department. An area he excelled. He was a great three-point shooter in a time where the NBA did not have many. If Mark was playing in today's day in the NBA, imagine just how many threes he'd be making. You know, he would have Curry-type numbers, maybe better, maybe as good as Damian Lillard. Anyway, get, getting back to it, you know. Decade started slow. They just won 31 games in their first year with Price, the backup point guard, you know, Mark Price. They had Brad there, Ron Harper. Next year rolls around 1987, 1988, and all of a sudden, it's playoff time. The Cavaliers went from 31 wins up to 42 wins in the 87-88 season. They did it with defense. Under Lenny Wilkins, they were second in points allowed per game at 104. It's a high-scoring era in the NBA. Similar to what we have now, almost. They did not – they were 21st in scoring, but their defense was stellar. Larry Nance was here blocking two shots a game. As soon as they got him, you know, things took off. Ron Harper, 
was averaging 15, five, two steals and a block. Hot Rod Williams was another great rim protector. Mark West, one and a half blocks. They just, they had rim protection for days. Yeah, so when the Cavs got Larry Nance at the deadline, things really started to go their way. Very rare you have a small forward that can't shoot from the outside and can impact the game at any time in basketball, you know, but that was Larry. Mark Price shot the three uh, only twice a game, which led the team. They wouldn't have shoot, but he shot 48%. You know, Phil Hubbard was there. Del Curry, his lone season. Steph Curry was born, by the way, during this season. Del Curry spent one year in Akron at age 23. That is when his son Wardell was born. His son Wardell, one of the greatest shooters in the game's esteemed history now. Cavs get to the playoffs in 1987-1988. How's it going to go for them? They match up with Michael Jordan's Bulls. Series went the distance. And, you know, it was, it was an exciting one. There's no question about it. The issue was, though, because the Cavs had only won 42 games, Chicago had home court. We talked about 84-85 three years earlier where the Cavs had made the playoffs. And they lost both games on the road, putting all the pressure on them to win at the Coliseum at Richfield, which is what they call their home arena. So how does this one go? The Cavs lose game one by 11. Michael Jordan scores 50. They get even closer in game two, losing by five. Michael Jordan scores 55. So he goes 50. Then he goes 55. I mean, what else? That's what Donovan Mitchell did to the Nuggets last year, except they obviously lost the series. Cavs come home. They they hold, quote-unquote, Jordan at 38 in game three. But they get a 110-102 to win. They're home again. Game four, they win 97-91. So all of a sudden, Michael Jordan's Bulls on the verge of potentially losing to the Cavs in the first round. You know, in that first win they had, Mark Price 31-6-6, Brad 13-10-5, Larry Nance 16-9 with three blocks, and Hot Rod Williams had 20 points off the bench. They, they got to the line 30 times, making 24 of them. The Bulls, by the way, shot 24 of 25. But, you know, this was a great win. They couldn't stop Brad Sellers, who also put up 22 on them. But they got their first win. Let's go to game four. Another one at the Coliseum. Cavs pick up a 97-91 win. MJ scored 44, fouled out late. Pippen had 15 off the bench. They didn't have much other help. And we go to the Cavs line. Ron Harper just went crazy. I w- if he had stayed in Cleveland longer, who knows what could have been. 38-5 and for him. Mark Price, Brad Daugherty, Larry Nance all scored in double figures, as did Mike Sanders, giving them five starters in double digits. It was all about, uh, you know, Ron Harper, though. He had 33 steals, five assists. It was a good win for the Cavs, which takes us to game five, the final game of the series. We're finally here. Can the Cavs get over the hump and win their first playoff series in 14 years? No. The Cavs actually led the Bulls by 12 points after one quarter but could not sustain it. The Bulls would win the next three quarters. The lead was cut to five at the half. Cavs got outscored 56-45 in the second half to get sent home early. Mark Price bounced back with 25 and seven assists, 16, 10, five assists for Darty. But the Cavs missed 12 free throws. They shot just 20 for 32 at the line. Hot Rod missed three of them. Brad Darty missed four of them. Harper even missed a couple. Jordan scored 39. Pippen moved into the starting lineup finally and added 24, six and five. Oakley grabbed 20 rebounds, including eight on the offensive end. 
they just couldn't stop Chicago. I mean, Pippen, finally, this was his first chance to shine as a starter. First of many games he would start for the Bulls in the playoffs. He was great. Jordan had 39. So the Cavs fall short. That ends this season. As we go to 88-89, the Cavaliers put it all together. 57 wins in the regular season. There was no more impressive coach than Lenny Wilkins in the NBA in 88-89. And what the Cavs did was nothing short of remarkable. Coming from 31 wins in Lenny's first year to 42 to 57. This had the makings of a, maybe a super team. You know, they, they had a lot going for them. And again, you know, they were third in points allowed. They were up to 12th in scoring for the year. But they had to match up with the Bulls again. And, you know, that's not ideal at all. The Cavs roster, by the way, only had 12 players for the duration of the season. Mark Price, Brad Doherty, and Ron Harper all averaged 19. Ron averaged 19, 5-5, five and five, over two steals a game, 19-9-4. and four. For Doherty, 19, eight assists, steal and a half for Price. Larry Nance also averaged 17 points, eight rebounds, and three blocks. I mean, they were athletic as a team can get. Cavs are one of the best teams in the NBA in shot blocking at this time. They ranked second overall. I mean, they did a lot of good, but they match up with the Bulls again. So how does that go? Game one, they're actually home because they had a better record than the Bulls that season. Can you believe that? That in 88-89, the Bulls won only 47 games and actually finished last place in their own division. In the Central Division, they were the last team. Yep. Everyone got in. So how do things go for them? Game one, Chicago wins by seven. Game two, the Cavs actually win. They're at home. They got it done 96-88. By the way, Looking back at this series, uh, important note, Mark Price missed game one. So the Cavs were very good at home. They had asked only one home playoff game in the, uh, at all, and they didn't have Price, who was hurt late in the year. So they lost. Game two, again, they win. Ron Harper, 31. Game three in Chicago. MJ, 44 points. Game four, on the road in Chicago. You had a better record than them. You have to win in their building. The game went to overtime where the Cavs had a 9-6 edge. Mark Price, 24 points and 7 assists. Brad Doherty, 15 and 17. Larry Nance, 27 and 9 with 3 assists and 3 blocks. Cavs missed 10 free throws, so they were lucky to get the win, but they were just great. They didn't stop MJ, who had 50, would foul out in this one. But no one else on the Bulls did anything worth noting. Pippen, 5 of 12. Cartwright, 5 of 10. He did have 13 rebounds. Their bench did almost nothing. So they outlasted MJ and the Bulls, and they got there. So this takes us to game five. We all know about game five and what happens. It is a historic game. We've watched it. Our grandparents probably watched it. Everyone that we know has seen this game, if they were in Cleveland or they were a basketball fan. You've seen the shot advertised all over the place. So we're in game five. It's a tight game. It's late. Craig Elo driving, laying it in. Three seconds left. The Cavs have the lead. Can the Cavs knock out Michael Jordan's Bulls and now potentially make a run to the finals? They won 57 games. They were no joke. Big things were potentially coming. They could have maybe stood toe-to-toe with the Pistons. Maybe wouldn't have the Jordan rules today had the Bulls not won this specific series. 
Jordan gets it. Little push off to create contact. It is what it is. Hits the shot over Craig Elo. That's it. Ron Harper, by the way, had said, you know, I would have loved to have covered MJ in that situation. He didn't. Craig Elo was assigned the coverage. So Jordan hits the shot. The Bulls get the win. The Cavs are eliminated. They had taken a one-point lead after being down by one after the great Elo layup off the inbounds. No one talks about Craig Elo's layup because he was scored on by MJ right after it. And, you know, it's, it's what it is. The Cavs had their shot. And, you know, here's a quote from Tim Alcorn. You know him now as the Cavs' current radio announcer. He told me that the 80s, the latter half of the decade, offered such promise and excitement for the franchise. This is verbatim. The hiring of Wayne Embry and Lenny Wilkins as the general manager-coach combination and the infusion of young talent like Doherty, Harper, Price, and Hot Rod, and later the acquisition of Nance, made it a championship-caliber team. Unfortunately, there was this guy who wore number 23 for Chicago, and that championship was never realized. A 57-win season, in a lot of cases, has you being pegged as good enough to win the conference. There's no question that the Cavaliers, who were the three-seed in this matchup against the six-seeded Bulls, could have made a run. The other teams that advanced in the first round with Chicago were Detroit, Milwaukee, and New York. Milwaukee got past Atlanta, and there were sweeps in the other two series. Had it been a best four out of seven format, maybe things would be different. Who knows? Michael Jordan went on to score 591 points in this postseason, despite his team not even reaching the finals. So, yeah, it was a very impressive conference. It just wasn't meant to be. For the Cavs. And one more season in the decade, the 89-90 season. Lenny's still at the helm. They're matching up with the Philadelphia 76ers this time. Charles, round mound of rebound. Barkley and his Sixers coming to town. And this was a year for the Cavs where, again, they were very good in the 89. Actually, they were good, not very good. The Cavs took a bit of a step back winning just 42 games again and that's because they traded Ron Harper to the Clippers don't actually know Ron Harper was still present that happened after this season scratch that nope never mind forget what you just heard Ron Harper started the season with the Cavs seven games in they decide to trade him that's right Ron Harper doing all these great things in Cleveland Top-tier player, big part of the franchise. He had a number of monster performances, double-digit assists, double-digit rebounds. After seven games, they're just like, yeah, see you, Ron. The Cavs traded him on November 16, 1989, along with a first-round pick and a second-round pick. And all they got was Danny Ferry, who was the number two pick, who did not want to play for the Clippers, and Reggie Williams. That's it. Just a total disaster. I don't understand why they traded multiple first-round picks. I mean, how good did they really expect Danny Ferry to be? I know he was very hyped back then, but the team obviously missed Harper. Craig Eagle would become a starter and give them a second three-point option. They also had Steve Kerr coming off the bench this year. Eagle averaged 14, 5, and 5 with two steals. He was very good, but he's still no Ron Harper. Price averaged 20 and 9 assists. 
this was a good team, but they won the 42 games because they missed Ron Harper. No question about it. So let's take a look at the season. 42 and 40, sixth in points allowed. They slipped back to 21st in scoring. There were some new teams added to the NBA. Game one in Philly, Barkley with 38 and 21. Philly wins. Game two, Philly wins again, 107-101. And you know, I've talked about this. The theme for the Cavs was never losing big home games, except they lost two home playoff games and four playoff appearances. That's it. One to Boston, one to Chicago. Going against Philly at home, they win by 27. No sweep. Game four, get it done again, 108-96. Brad Doherty led all scores in that one with 34. They limited, limited Barkley in game three, but we get to game five, back in Philly, and Hawkins and Barkley just went crazy. The Cavs trailed by nine points after one. They trailed by 20 going into the fourth. There was just nothing they could have done to win this one. Now, they made the one three, three-point shooting again. Didn't matter too much. Philly only made four, but Hershey Hawkins, or Hershey Hawkins, 39 points. Barkley, 18 and 19. Johnny Dawkins dished out 14 of the team's 24 assists. When you got a point guard locked in like that, not much you can do. You know, for the series, averages, Hershey Hawkins, 27 points per game. Barkley, 26, 16, and four. Mike Jaminski, 15 blocks in the five games. They just couldn't shoot over him. Uh, what what more could you have asked? So, Doherty averaged 23, 10, and 4. Price, 21 points, 2 steals, 9 assists. Did some good. Sixers were too good. And that's really the theme of the 80s with the Cavs, is that they could not win big games. The one game they lost to Jordan, where he hit the big jumper in Cleveland from the free throw line, one of just two home playoff losses for the Cavs in the four trips. And they couldn't win closeout games. They had three of them. Two with the Bulls, one with the Sixers. Just couldn't win them. You know, and Jordan was incredible. Charles Barkley, Hersey Hawkins, great players. Barkley's an all-time great as well. What else could you have done? The decade started horribly with Ted Stepien trading all the picks, going through all those different head coaches, Nasalki, Carl, Musselman, Kloppenberg, Chuck Daly, Delaney. Every, it was way too many. I don't know how Chuck Daly, by the way, no matter what was going on, went 9-32 and as Cavs coach. As soon as he gets to Detroit, it was perfect. He was great with Team USA as well. He's an all-time great coach who just suffered under a terrible regime for 41 games. George Carl also had a very good head coaching career, the likes of Seattle and Denver, after whatever that was in Cleveland. He did get him to the playoffs and fight with the Bulls very hard. But it was not long for the city. It was a decade of drama, really, for the beginning part. But as soon as Price, Doherty, Nance, Hot Rod, and all those guys came in, it was smooth sailing. As next week, we're going to be talking about the 90s. I'll have Dan Gilinski coming on with me to break that down. I'm excited for it. And, you know, we're going to have a lot to say. The 90s brought about, you know, Big Z came to Cleveland. The team saw some very good success in the 1990s, no question about it. Some big playoff success, finally. And they even made a conference finals. They advanced in the playoffs a couple times. Uh, you know, Big Z, uh, Sean Kemp, Terrell Brandon, very excited to get into that when the time comes next week. 
And then we'll have the 2000s and the 2010s. So I have Ben Jones for the 2000s, the Lockdown Cavs, Evan Damrell for the 2010s. So, you know, this has been great. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this, learning about the 1980s in Cavs history. It was a fun chapter. I wish I was alive to live through it. But still learning about it now as, uh, as, we, as I take a look at all the accomplishments that they had. Very much enjoyable. Shout out Lenny Wilkins. Great man. Great coach. He's a very good player. Mark Price, very nice guy. Appreciate having him on the podcast prior, uh, back in March. But that'll do it for this edition of Across the Cavs. A look at the 1980s in Cavs history. I am Zach Weiss saying so long, and we'll see you next week.